0: What I love about um, this place is that we have such godly leadership from the top all the way down. And that's what's marked us for so long. The desire to seek Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, and soul above everything else. Above everything else. That's the mark of IWU, of our administrative staff, of our leadership and our professors. And what's really cool is this year, two of my friends are coming to us this year um, to continue that legacy of loving Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, and soul. John and Patty, when I think about you guys, I think about all your accolades and how great you've done in church ministry and multi-campus and all of that stuff. And then, and then really what it comes down to is this. It's pretty obvious that you love Jesus Christ. That's number one. The other thing that really stands out to me that makes me want to cry is that you love each other. To have two people that are married for a couple years. Just a couple. Just a couple that love each other. And then to talk to you about loving this campus. In fact, you guys are gonna live on campus, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. And um, you're gonna live here to connect with you. And so um, we are so grateful that you're gonna spend a year with us. To be on campus, to speak to us, but more than anything to pastor. To love us. And so uh, it is with great honor and privilege that I, somebody who followed you guys in ministry and watched what you did and came to your church way back in the day when all those nets were hanging on the back wall and doing all those kinds of ministry times, now get to stand here in front of this incredible group of people and to ask you to (laughs) welcome to Indiana Wesleyan University John and Patty Ray. You're great. Really
1: good days. God bless
2: you We got goosebumps.
1: Yeah. Well, hello, everybody. In case you're unclear on the concept, I'm John, and this is Patty. And
2: you don't even know us. Maybe after you know us, you won't stand up, I don't know. (laughs)
1: Well, Dr. Lowe, the dean of the chapel for a long time, has been enticed back to the classroom. And, and uh, the powers that be have asked me if I would be the interim dean of the chapel here for two semesters uh, doing walking with you. And uh, we're going to get to know each other a little bit this year. And it, we'll begin right now. Here's what I'd like you to do. On the count of three, I want you to shout your name loudly, as loudly as you can. Ready? One, two, three. Patty! Yeah, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> but my memory isn't all that good so would you do me a favor when we see each other whether it's Patty or me whether it's here or in the Macon ch- or whatever just tell us your name right away so we can have a conversation yeah. with you and you keep telling us your name until I actually say your name because that will be the signal that I actually it's remember John is
2: name challenged
1: well we'll be hanging around Macon we'd love to talk with you we'll have appointments Patty you'll be on campus some and so that'll be great The theme of this chapel this semester is stories, his story, my story, and our stories. So we thought it might be a good idea to tell you a little bit about our story uh, so that you can know us. I was a sophomore here at Iwo, and there was this cute freshman girl who seemed to be flirting with me. Now what I didn't know is that she flirted with all the guys. (laughs) Moving right along. <laughs> But she was flirting with me, and I thought that was a signal of some sort, so I asked her out. And she surprised me by saying, no. <laughs> but she said it really nicely, and, and, and she gave me a really good excuse, and it seemed like she really did want to go out with me, and she kept flirting with me. So I asked her out again, and she said, no. <laughs> but she gave me a really good excuse. And this is when a guy usually gets a clue. You ask a girl out a couple times. She says, no, you're going, she's just not interested in me. But she kept flirting with me. And I took one more chance. And I boldly screwed up my courage and went and asked her out again. And she said, no.
2: <laughs> Hurry up. We don't have no, much time. No, it's your turn now. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> time he was asking me out I was going back to my dorm and I was saying he's a loudmouth smart alecky poor example of a ministerial student and I wouldn't go out with him if he were the last guy on earth other than that I liked him
1: (laughs) now what she didn't know is that I was dreaming that we were married in my dreams, I was actually a professor here at Iowa and I would leave the classroom at the end of the day. I was a track coach as well, and I would walk, walk back to our house near campus, and she would be there to greet me. And um, everything was perfect in my dreams. Now, we're going to speed the story up a little bit because what actually happened, and this happened over a couple of months, uh, I asked her out <laughs> seven times. And and she said no seven times.
2: He's persistent. By
1: that time, I got a clue and quit asking her out. And the school had a big event in the spring. And uh, there was a girl back at home that I dated when I was at home some. And so I invited her down to go with this. And Patty saw me walking around campus.
2: And I saw him walking around with this blonde. And I thought, hey, he asked me out seven times. Why did he stop now?
1: (laughs) Well, eventually we... And out I'm real par-
2: competitive, and so I started getting interested. Yeah.
1: So we hung out at a park one night with some friends, and she decided I was, really was nice. And that uh, we hung out a little bit more. We quickly fell in love. We've been married for 43 years. Yeah. And even though I'm not a coach and I'm not a history prof, I am part of the staff here at Iowa this year, and I live close enough to campus that I will live right on campus. I'll walk home, and uh, even though this wasn't exactly in our life plan, it's part of God's plan for us, and that's our story of falling in love and coming here. Another part of our story is that I have been a pastor, not an academic, ever since we graduated. We went to a church that had 24 people. We intended to stay five years, and we stayed 41 years. And the church grew to a church of significant size. Um,
2: One of the parts of our story that you need to know is that we have two adult daughters and that we have three of the most amazing grandchildren that anybody's ever seen in the world. They live in California, but you will see pictures this year and you will hear stories about our grandchildren. Um, part of my story is that yesterday I began a new phase of ministry where I became the senior pastor of Fall Creek Wesleyan Church. This was another part of life that I never, ever expected, but I am just so excited to do this.
1: So the question is, why are we telling you all this? Well, we wanted to know a little bit about our story and what God has done in us. And I'll tell you, we've been surprised by a bunch of the stuff. Yep. We never really expected we would be back on campus in an official capacity. This was not in our master plan. We never
2: expected to be at a church for 41 years. I mean, whoever whoever does that.
1: We never expected that church to become huge. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Most churches are small.
2: And I never expected to be a senior pastor and never expected to be able to have this ability to invest in college students like this.
1: And quite honestly, I never expected that I would love being a pastor, but I did.
2: So I guess we would say that even though there are a lot of things in our lives that we have not expected, one of the things that we are so grateful for is that we feel like we are just absolutely in the center of God's will right here today and so in the few minutes that we have left we want to share with you how can you discover god's will for your life not just for today yes for today but a year from now five years from now and even beyond that
1: so the question again is how do you experience god's will for your life that's not an untypical question that college students ask what's god's will for me, I want to take you to scripture today, and if you have your Bibles or your phones or something, you might want to click. I guess if you have your Bibles, you don't have to click. You can actually riffle the pages. But Galatians chapter 5, <laughs> verses 24 and 25. Galatians 5, 24 and 25, and this is what it says. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The New International Version says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So let's talk about this idea of being God-led and discovering God's will. I think pastors sometimes overcomplicate things and, and, and I'm a specialist or try to be a specialist in not doing this. I like things to be as simple as they can. So, so here's the first thing you maybe want to remember and that's this. If I'm going to end up where God wants me to be, I have to want to be where God wants mm-hmm. me to be. Now that seems a little simple but it's something we have to deal with. I have to want to be where God eventually wants me to be let me tell you something I discovered about me a long time ago and I've discovered it in a lot of people in my years of being a pastor and it's this there's something in every one of us that wants to be in charge of our own life yeah we want to do what we want to do we we, we kind of want to be in God's will but what we'd like to do is tell him what we want to do and have him say well okay <laughs> you know that's kind of what we would like we say we want to do God's will but sometimes God nudges us and we have clarity about our next step of obedience And yet sometimes we get this feeling that what God wants for us is not quite as good for us as what we want for us that what we want is will make us happier or more comfortable intellectually we know this isn't true and we know theoretically that God's will and God's way is best for us and when when God leads us in a new area of commitment however or when He nudges us about a new kind of behavior something that needs to change something rises up within us and the evil one sort of tempts us it's like hey, hey 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 over here uh that sounds hard that doesn't look like fun you're smart enough you can do what you want to do and there is within everyone is this tendency to say you know maybe maybe I can Now, we don't usually tell God to take his plans and shove it in his ear. You know, we don't do that. But how often have you said something like this? Well, I know I probably shouldn't, but. Well, I know this isn't the best thing, but. Well, I know the Bible says whatever, but. That might have to do with habits or pornography or sexuality, some sin, some new discipline maybe, maybe a career change that God is nudging you about we have this tendency to do what we want when we want it if it seems it will make us happy and what do we do with that? well if we're going to end up where God wants us to be what we have to do is what the, the Bible says take that part of you that wants to be in charge and nail it to the cross crucifixion is a harsh thing not easy Jesus did not go to the cross to get a massage he went there to die for us some of you are thinking that sounds hard nailing that part of me that wants to be in charge killing it off but here's a couple things you need to remember God really knows what's best for each of us he created us. He knows how we're wired. He knows what works. He knows how he's designed us. And, and he knows what works in life. And the second thing is that he really loves you. Passionately. He's not sitting up in heaven thinking, I wonder how I can screw them up. I wonder how I can mess them up. He's saying, how can I help them be everything they were designed to be? He wants what's very best for you. So anytime there's a part of you that starts pushing back, Anytime there's a part of you that, 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 that begins to want to do what you want to do other than what God wants to do, you have a choice to make. You ask, do I eventually want to end up where God wants me to be? And if the answer to that is yes, you have to do something with that tendency that rises up within you to want to be in charge. And here's what you do. You decide Jesus loves me enough that he went to the cross for me. He wants the very best for me. So I will say no to that tendency to be my own boss and I will say no every time I'll take it to the cross again and again and again and again I will make the choice that Jesus is the boss of me.
2: So once you make that decision that the Lord's going to be your boss, then you have to figure out how to live that out on a day by day basis. And the Bible tells us how to do that then in verse 25, let us follow the spirits leading in every part of our lives. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I wanna ask you a question. How often do you think about the Holy Spirit? Do you think of him a lot, often, continually? Or if there's a spectrum here, a continuum, would you say, I really say that I never think of the Holy Spirit, or I seldom think of him, or I never think of him? Where would you fall on this continuum? I think many Christians live more over here where they seldom think of him. He's just not a vital part of their cognizant awareness. Um, Recently I was teaching uh, about 80 young women. I was doing some mentoring and I was gonna teach a lesson on the Holy Spirit. And so I surveyed them and I said, how often do you think about the Holy Spirit? I was really saddened to read that most of them fell over here. A lot of them said, I never think of him at all. Some said, um, I almost, if I do think of him, he's almost like this scary, ghost-like creature. And so I don't think of him much at all. Some said they were just confused about him. But most of them said, I'm just unaware Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit. But listen, we need to be aware of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Bible says, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. It's impossible to follow someone that you never think about. Jesus thought the Holy Spirit was quite important and so he spent that last night that he had with the disciples talking about him. And he basically said this to the disciples, guys, pretty soon I'm gonna be leaving you. And when I do, I'll be gone in physical form, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. When I leave you, I'm gonna come to you in a different form as the Holy Spirit. He's going to be so amazing that it'll be better for you that I leave you Mm. so that you can have him because he's going to live in you and he's going to be everything to you. He's going to be your counselor. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to be your guide. He's going to be your encourager. He will be, Jesus said, me in you. And then we see Jesus going back to heaven after the crucifixion. And we see in the book of Acts that this promise that Jesus made that night really came true. The all-powerful Holy Spirit came down to fill the believers with power. And they began to live for God in ways that the world had never seen before. That's the Holy Spirit that Paul's talking about here in this verse. Follow him in every part of your life. Oh, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit longs to be real in your life. He wants to enable you to know, to be aware of him so that you can understand that he lives in the believer to allow you to live the life that God longs for you to live. But I think that brings us to a question. How do we become more aware of him? If we tend to live over there, how do we become more aware of him? Well, let me give you an illustration that might help you understand this a little bit better. Like um, we said, well, first let me say, before I met John Bray, I never thought of him. I lived down there, obviously. And then when I first met him, I didn't like him. And so what I did think of him was not good, so it was still that negative down here when I would think about him. But then something began to happen. I began to spend time with him. I began to get to know him. I began to develop this deep, meaningful relationship with him, and soon, falling in love with him, and I spent more time with him. I got really focused on this guy until finally I was just madly in love with him. And I thought about him all the time. I mean all the time. In fact, we remember the story one night where we had a date here, and uh, we had a date like from 5 o'clock till midnight, because back then you had to be in the dorm by midnight. And so, uh, you know, we had talked together for seven hours. We had used up all of our words. But he dropped me off at the dorm. He went back to his dorm. We got ready for bed, got on the phone, and called each other. Well, we had nothing else to say. And I remember saying to him, I just love to hear you breathe.
1: <laughs> now she hits me and says, roll over, you're snoring.
2: <laughs> but, but what had happened? Are newly in love, understand that.
1: So cheesy.
2: <laughs> but time together and experiencing life together and, okay, come back with me, and focusing on all that we had together began to help me think about Him all the time. Be aware of Him all the time. And now, more than 40 years later, He's such a vital, integral part of my life that I can't go for a moment without Him at least being somewhere. In my thought processes. Listen, the same thing can happen with the Holy Spirit. If you will begin developing this deep, meaningful relationship with him, you he will become more and more real to you all the time. I told John last week that I don't believe I can go for an hour without just being aware of this indwelling Spirit of God, this Jesus in me. And he said So how can other people develop that kind of relationship with them? And immediately, I just thought of two ways. One, you just have to become a person of the word. I mean, you just have to. Mm -hmm. Because as we spend time in the Bible, the word helps us to learn who this God, the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And the word teaches us and encourages us and convicts us and helps us to grow more like our Lord. And the Spirit of God uses that word to literally transform our lives. You just have to become a person of the word if you're gonna become a person who is really aware of the Holy Spirit. And two, you just gotta develop a great prayer life. A prayer life where you learn to talk to him all day long, all throughout the day, about anything and everything. Where you talk to him about your stresses, your problems, your joys, your messes, your good stuff, and your bad. This kind of prayer life has to be more than just flash prayers throughout the day. Flash prayers are fine, they're just not enough. We need focused times of prayer where we pull away from this busy, crazy, hectic world by ourselves or with a good friend or two. And we withdraw, we disengage to a quiet place and we open up our hearts and our minds and our beings to this one who loves us so much and wants to walk with us. I know it's a crazy thing to say to college people. You need to withdraw, because people are around you constantly, and life is crazy busy, but I'm telling you, if you wanna become a person who is aware of the Holy Spirit, and who (laughs) finds the power to live a life of victory in Him, you gotta develop a prayer life. And as you do those things, your life becomes more and more aware of the Spirit, and you realize, that you're able to walk with him minute by minute And oh man This is a good place to live John
1: You know there's one more step to developing this kind of Relationship with God And it involves the area of obedience Can I tell you a descriptive word I don't use much It's the word Christian <laughs> It's easy to say for, But for many people It's far too casual a word They grew up in church so They're a Christian. They prayed a prayer once when they were 12, so they're a Christian. Uh, They they come to Indiana Wesleyan University, and so they're a Christian. But I know far too many people who call themselves Christian who don't really live like it. There's no real evidence in their life, so I, I, I tend to use a different term, and nothing wrong with the word Christian. I just like the word Christ follower. I'm a follower. Of Jesus. I go where he wants me to go. I'll do what he wants me to do. I will keep in step. I will follow. Yeah. Now let me tell you what I know about me and what I know about you. There was a time in our lives that we were outside of God's will. It's like you were living in the dark spiritually. But one day you had to say yes to him. You had to declare him as Lord of your life. Maybe you grew up in a church and you heard all the stories, but for you it wasn't personal. But one, one day it was. And, 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 and you, you were drawn towards this light of God and you were called towards it and you, you kind of wondered about it and, and then you stepped into it and you said yes to Jesus and said, Lord, I receive you as my Savior. I confess my sins. I'm, I'm all yours. And all of a sudden you realize this is a good place to be. You felt blessed, you felt free, you felt pure. You, you say, I want to live for here, here, here forever, because this is just this is just good. But you know what God did then? He moved the light. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, I was in God's will, and now the light's over here. I've become convinced in my life for all of us that wherever you are with God, there's more for you. And Sometimes we stay stuck in the old spot, but God says, no, 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 I have something new for you, and he calls us to take another step of obedience and maybe make another surrender, perhaps lay something down at the altar and say, here's a habit I stop, and here's a discipline I pick up, and, 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 and sometimes it's hard to go from that place to this place, because we think I was obedient, but yesterday's obedience isn't good enough for today. Yeah. He moves the light and says, there's more for you, and you go, oh, no. And then he moves the light again. And you follow again, step by step by step by step. He keeps moving and you keep following because being in the center of his will as he progressively reveals it is the perfect place to be. Can I tell you something about my life? I'm 65 years old, I've been a lifetime pastor. This year I'm the interim dean of the chapel. And next June, I have absolutely no idea of what I'm gonna be doing. I would like to know. I would like God to reveal his five-year plan to me. You know, here's what you'll look like in five years. Here's what you'll be doing. Here's how you'll be living. That's what I'd like to know. But I've discovered that God rarely gives me five years at a time. He doesn't give that to you either. I'd like, what he does is say, this is the area of obedience you need to live today and if I live today and then tomorrow I step in obedience to him and the next day I step in obedience to him and the next day I step in obedience to him and the next day I step into obedience to him eventually in five years I will be exactly where God wants me to be I'll be in the center of his will then if I commit myself to being in the center of his will every day how about you? How about you? What's the next step of obedience that you know about? Perhaps there's some sinful behavior in your life that the Holy Spirit has nudged you about. Or maybe there's some new area of discipline that he wants you to engage. Or perhaps, perhaps you came to IWU and you had a career goal in mind and God has been nudging you about something else and you, go, I already got a year and a half in and, and or two years in and I don't know, I've. don't know that I should change that you're afraid I don't know what God is nudging you about but I do know this following God one step at a time one obedience at a time is the only way to end up in the best place God has planned for you those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life, day by day by day.
2: Would you pray with me? Oh, dear Holy Spirit, I wish I could take every person's um, heart today and open it up and help them to really believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that your way is I've tested it and proved it over and over countless times over a lifetime. I know to the core of my being that being in the center of your will is the only place to be, no matter where that is, no matter what the cost is. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a new work in the lives of each one of us, mine included, this year at Iowa. I pray for those who don't know you, that you, Holy Spirit, will do such a penetrating work in their lives this year, that they will soon come to know you as Lord and Savior. And for those who do know you, dear Holy Spirit, help them to do their part, that you would become everything to them. Mm. Help them become aware of you, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will pour out upon this campus like we've never seen before. I pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. You have classes. Go make a difference for Jesus. Thank you.